September 10th is World Suicide Prevention Day. Now, it's a subject that takes on an even larger importance this year with a backdrop of a pandemic, high unemployment, and barriers to treatment that these issues pose. So joining us today in a special edition of the 21 News Podcast is a panel of guests here to talk about everything from what the warning signs are you should look for, both personally and for loved ones, as well as what help is available. I'm going to start by just asking you all to introduce yourselves. Dwayne, we can start with you. Okay, I'm Dwayne Picciarelli. I'm the Executive Director of the Mahoney County Mental Health and Recovery Board. Judge Delick, obviously. Teresa Delick, Juvenile Court Judge. Mahoney County. Um, is it Gianna? Yeah, Gianna. Um, I'm Gianna, and I am the president of NAMI at YSU. Tony. Uh, my name is Tony Coder, and I'm the executive director of the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation. And Rochelle. I'm Rochelle, and I'm on the NAMI board. So I guess let's just start out fairly broad. Um, what are some of the, the key things, warning signs people should be looking for, that they may need some assistance, both in themselves and in loved ones? Because I, I know that people don't necessarily realize where the line is from, I'm feeling down, which is everybody's feeling down over a lot this year, and, I, and this might be a little more serious and I should, uh, I should be reaching out. Okay, Tony, did you want to... Talk about the warning signs since that's your area, and then we can. Uh, sure. Um, I think um, some of the warning signs that we uh, encourage folks to make sure they're on the watch out for, not only for themselves, but also others, are, you know, feeling agitated, uh, you know, withdrawing from folks. You know, perhaps you haven't heard from them for a while. Um, you know, being able to reach out and, and make sure they're okay. Um, mood swings is another issue that we're. Uh, you know, if you're seeing someone, your loved one or, or the, folk, the, the person you're with, you know, having extreme mood swings, you know, just, uh, again, it's uh, increasing use of alcohol or drugs is another issue that, um, you know, we're worried about. Um, and we encourage folks to, to watch, um, you know, their, their use of alcohol. Um, and then, you know, even having a, a hopelessness, um, a really dread um, and hopelessness, um, and, and they're either verbalizing that or you can see signs of that. Those are uh, some signs that we really encourage folks to be on the lookout for. May I add also talking about death? Because mm -hmm. there's a myth that if people say, I'd like to kill myself, to not take them seriously. And you take all threats seriously. Don't say someone's trying to get attention or is acting out. Take it seriously. If someone says, I wish I were dead. Don't dismiss it. Absolutely. And you know what, just I should have said this at the start, but I think probably the best way with this many people on it is if anybody has anything to say, if, if, just so that I, I know you want to say something, if you just kind of put your hand up or something, that'll be the easiest way so that I don't lose anybody in the shuffle here. Um, now, I, I, what sort of help is available and where should someone turn? Well, I think, I think locally, you know, we have the 24-hour hotline, which is a help network. There's also the uh, national text line that we really encourage a lot of people to use, and more and more young people are using the text line. So between help network and the text line, but also, you know, people can reach out to their minister. They need to talk to each other. I think the thing we're trying to, to say as much as possible is we need to reach out to our neighbors. We need to reach out. Don't be afraid to ask somebody if they're struggling. 
you know, and, and, uh, and the reason I asked you to do this especially is because with the pandemic, I, I just kept seeing it's the perfect storm. Everything we're doing for COVID, isolating, social distancing is everything we tell people not to do when they're depressed and they're suicidal. So more than ever, we kind of have to kind of look after our neighbors. Yes, Yana. Okay, so um, I think people get confused that there's not resources, but all the same resources are here. They're just in different structures. I think that's important for people to know that everything's still the same, just in a different structure. Absolutely. Can can you talk about what what the structures that are available and how they've changed are? Uh, there's telehealth, and YSU still has all counseling services just through Zoom. I'm president of NAMI. If anybody, YSU student, reach out. I can help them get connection. I actually work for Alta Behavioral Healthcare. I'm a peer recovery supporter, so there's always help there. Um, now, Judge Delick, I know that you've uh, been focused a lot on, on things like trauma-informed care. Um, now, coming off of where we've been and where we, in many ways, still are with the opioid crisis, and now the the crises, sort of the series of crises that we've seen this year, I, I guess my question is, what what should people do to stay ahead of, I mean, there's there's between children who see their parents struggling, adults going through things they never thought they'd see in their lives. Um, I guess just speak to that and, and, and what can be done right now to minimize whatever damage this could cause. Number one, what we have to do is get our students back in school. And I know there's that fear of I send my child to school, the child can get COVID. But I think we're seeing businesses stay open and do it safely and properly in line with the CDC. Our court never closed. And we have no one at the court who has contracted COVID. So we're safe. We've been doing it right. Um, importantly, I want everyone to realize I say this because teenage suicide has increased. Mm-hmm. Suicide is a second leading cause of death for people under 35. And the most dramatic statistic is one that just came out from the Congressional Black Caucus saying 73% of our um, African-American minority children have increased um, with thoughts of suicide as well as with suicidal tendencies, as well as committing suicide. So I think it's important that we keep our students in school. And I think it's important that we figure out how to do it right, because these all have ripple effects. These students who are home do not have a regular routine. Going online, we know statistically 30 to 40% of the students are even engaging online. And then the online studies are a textbook. And it's not even one-to-one contact with the classroom with the teacher. So even if they do go online, we're not having that contact. So we need to make sure we do what we can to keep our students engaged. And being in a routine helps because we know people who are suicidal need to keep a routine so they don't fall into a rut. And right now we're at a pandemic in more ways than just COVID-19 because this is dramatically affecting our, our students, our children, and then of course their parents. So I don't know if I really answered your question, but I really want to bring home the importance of suicide at this time and that we really need to focus on it because it is such a traumatic time in our lives right now that we need to be cautious and we need to be aware of other people. Now, you, you mentioned the importance of 
face-to-face contact in schools. Um, and, and Gianna, you had mentioned that a lot of the services available and the help that's available is still there, but in a different structure. So that that leads me to my my next area here, which is that how important is that face-to-face contact versus isolation? And is something like telehealth comparable or as good as these face-to-face whether it be a you know whether it be a group session or group therapy or just one on one with a therapist, can telehealth replace that, or do we need to get back to more face to face contact? We definitely need to get back to more face to face contact, but right now, I mean, that's as best as we can do. I have some online classes and then some in person, and it's so much better to be in person. You get a form of connection with your classmates and your professor. Yes, Dwayne. And, well, and the other thing, I mean, telehealth is great. And it, it answered, thank God for telehealth and all this is going on. <clears throat> we also did telework, we called it, where people reached out and peers talked. We worked a lot with peers. and But uh, uh, we're finding, too, in the recovery community, there's a lot of people struggling because they need that support group. They need that fellowship. And they... Those were all shut down, all those AA groups and everything. Slowly they're coming back. People are meeting out by restaurants and at picnic tables. But we, we've got to get back to those support groups because especially people new in recovery, they're really struggling right now. Absolutely. Rochelle, you had your hand up? Yeah, I feel that um, being more face-to-face with counselors and that is better because a lot of it is also their body language, how they're representing themselves. And if all you can see is from the shoulders up, you're not realizing the how bad it really could be. And when you say they, you're talking about the, the counselor watching the, the person seeking help, or you're talking vice versa? Or both? Um, well, mainly the counselor to see that, okay, they're fidgeting with their hands or anything because they're more nervous than what they're actually saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, Judge Ellie. Uh One thing I wanted to point out that we've observed, because we've been doing uh, hearings via Zoom, um, and so we have our those in our recovery specialized dockets, and those are individuals who are mostly in, who are in recovery from drug and alcohol or mental health. And it has its pros and cons. And one of the, the pros, though, is that we found is that by meeting the person in that person's home, surrounding, uh, number one, we were able to make that person feel more comfortable. Number two, we didn't make that person wait in a waiting room, wait in the court, have to drive somewhere, find a babysitter. So you have some advantages. Another great advantage that we found was that we were able to look inside the person and inside their home. And say, oh, my gosh, this person is saying everything right, but they're living in squalor. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no food. You know, the place is dirty. So we need to help. So sometimes presenting in person is great. But there's a balance because I can put on a great image that I've got everything together at my house. But when you're zooming in on my house and you see, you know, things out of order, um, just a myriad of things you can imagine then I know, oh my gosh, I need to do something. So it may be that we need to do telehealth and in person uh, because I see a a benefit and we found a benefit to doing the the hearings by Zoom. And I'm just going to 
lay that off because we are a recovery court, specialized dockets. Well, and to piggyback on what the judge says, it also has given folks, you know, especially in the Appalachian areas where access to care is so, um, you know, it's, it's not there in some counties. It's given some folks an opportunity to reach care that never has, mm-hmm. uh, never mm-hmm. have received it before. So um, I agree with everyone, uh, but it really is, you know, an access to care issue that I really think is, uh, you know, we hope to uh, uh, encourage this going forward as well. So, Tony, are you hearing then from people who do you think that there is almost sort of a silver lining here where people who maybe should have or needed to look for help two years ago, but they're getting help now because of this unique situation and they couldn't before? Yeah, we are. We, um, you know, folks who have, uh, again, in Appalachia, uh, there are some folks who would have to travel two counties to get to their counseling appointment. Um, wouldn't have enough money for gas, wouldn't have enough money, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, that's an Appalachia, it's a two-hour trip at that point, uh, one way. So, you know, having access to being able to sit down in your front room or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, wherever uh, you, you have your um, electronics uh, really has been something that has uh, actually improved access to care, um, and we're, we're pretty thrilled with it. Who would you say is most at risk given the unique situation that we're in with the pandemic and with uh, with the economy and everything else? Yes, Judge Deli. As I stated earlier, our minority youth. Our minority youth um, attempt suicide twice as often as white youth. So what do you what do you, what do you attribute that to? Number one, their surroundings. We know number one that our minority are not living in the same they don't have the same access as that um, the, the youth of white color, you know, youth, white, white youth have. I'm sorry mm-hmm. on that. But we, it's traditionally known. I mean, this is a fact. They are more disadvantaged, period. Um, and so they do have, if things got bad in your house, can you imagine how bad they got for someone already living in poverty? How much more desolate it was? And, and that's what happened. So we, we have a real problem here to reach out to our minorities or children of color because they need our help. Absolutely, Dwayne. Another at-risk uh, population of the elderly because mm. isolation is really hard for them. And right now, I think all of us have hope this will get better. But if you're if you're 90 years old and you're shut in and your family can't visit you, there's a, a, a sense of hopelessness. And, and that's why it's really important. And also the fear because if a lot of people that, that this is fatal is they had another underlying health condition, which a lot of the elderly do. So the elderly is really at risk. And I, I called the, uh, the local hotline uh, a little bit ago. Between January and August of this year compared to last year, their calls are up 34% for suicides, uh, calls made to suicide. So 34% jump is, is, is huge in the callers and, and, uh, and there are more women calling. In fact, women call with female calls up 125%. I mean, I mean, went up 24%, 125 more women call between last this year compared to last year. So, uh, and a lot of times women call for themselves, but many times they'll call because one of their loved ones, you know, I, I worked at the hotline for 24 years and Sometimes the best way to reach middle-aged men is through their wives because the men don't want to ask for help. So you've got to, you've got to have their wives. Their wives have to see the warning signs and, 
and kind of pester them to go to the doctor and ask for help. And, 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 and while I'm, I'm talking, we've got to work harder on our healthcare professionals to ask the question, are you depressed? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Because people will go to the doctor and be severely depressed and the doctor will not ask the question. And it's, it's, it's hard to say to somebody, I want to kill myself. It's a lot easier to say if someone says, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Saying yes. And the doctors have to get those words out. I think the fear is sometimes they don't know what to do if the person says yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to your point, Dwayne, you know, 48% of the suicides in the state of Ohio, the person has seen their primary care physician within a month of killing themselves. So they're in the doctor's offices. They're in our hospitals. So, you know, having those, uh, that's a great point, Dwayne. Having those folks, you know, having healthcare professionals asking questions and asking them like the, you know, with some empathy, not just saying, do you feel suicidal Blow, and entering in a computer? Do you take drugs? And instead, having a good conversation, I think, is really, really important. Judge Delic, you had your hand up? Yes. Um, another issue is uh, the LGBTQIA question mark group. Uh, they are at high risk as well. Um, number one, they're, they're a high risk group for suicide. And even now during this pandemic, they're at a high risk um, because they're just because of the um, anomaly of it. And the thing is, not the anomaly, but because of the situation. And the court and mental health board is putting on a seminar on November 8th about LGBTQIA, and we will be discussing suicide among them. Uh, and Dwayne, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but that's another at-risk, high-at-risk population that we need to be careful and, and keep aware of and, and be mindful of. So what I'm going to do now, because we're, we're getting down to the wire here, is I want to just go around and get just a last thought from everybody on what the, the, the main call to action is or main message that you want everybody to know. Um, and I'll start with Dwayne. I'd say reach out to your neighbor. You know, it's time we get to know each other. If you see a coworker that's struggling, a friendly smile, talk to people. It's time we start looking after each other. I think we're all in this together. We're all going to get through this together. Absolutely. Judge Delick? Uh, limit the time watching and reading the news. That can make you depressed. And instead, substitute it with uh, a physical activity. Absolutely. Gianna? Uh, definitely keep up with your schoolwork, and there are resources. Tony? I think offering yourself some grace. You know, this is a terrible, you know, this is a really, really hard time for folks. And to be able to say, you know what? Okay. I have others I can reach out to. I can. Uh, you know, I can exercise, I can reach out to five folks and talk to them, you know, but allowing yourself a little bit of grace and saying, this is, this is really tough right now and being able to accept that. Absolutely. And Rochelle? To let people know that your feelings will be validated. You know, you're allowed to feel the way that you want to feel. And if you're getting too far down, to don't be afraid to ask for help because that's what we're all out there for is to help. And if you see adults or children acting out of the norm, if they don't give a hug and now they're hugging you and saying they love you, check with them because they're different. You know, we might see little changes in them, but it could be a big change in their own mind. Absolutely. 
Everyone, I thank you so much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. This is a really important topic and, and I look forward to talking to all of you again, um, even as we continue to cover all of these issues because they don't go away and one day marks the awareness of it, but, but these are problems that, that are not gonna be solved, whether there's a vaccine or the turn of a calendar. So I appreciate it and thank you all very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.